Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. This is Michael. I'm here with Josh, our producer, and I'm Faye. My friend, who's uh, an infrequent guest with us anymore, is here, Mickey Rapier. Welcome, Mickey. Hey, it's good to be here. For those of you who maybe haven't been at Fellowship Fayetteville very long, Mickey is our directional leader, and so we have another campus in Rogers. We're soon will be opening another campus in Bentonville, and Mickey serves on our elder board as chairman of the elder board and is the directional leader for all our campuses. And so, Mickey, it's always a pleasure for us when you can come down and teach at Fellowship Fayetteville. And thanks for joining us on the podcast. Well, just remember, I keep you from having a good directional leader. <laughs> hey, if, if we're moving in a direction, you're doing a good job. That's what we need around here. Well, hey, um, so you're coming in here at the very end of our Jonah series. It's gone by so quickly, these these short series. Four chapters. I know. It's kind of like Christmas. I look forward to it, and then the next thing I know, it's over. It's done. 48 verses. So if you don't mind, um, how does Jonah chapter 4 fit into the rest of the book? How does this fit into the flow of this narrative? Yeah, well, Jonah, you know, you think... As you hear Jonah all the time, you're a kid that, you know, here's the popular guy, uh, but Jonah's no hero. Right. You know, that's the sad thing about it. And chapter four is what illustrates that for us. In, in chapter one, Jonah is in Israel, then he's in the sea. In chapter two, then he's in the fish. Uh, in chapter three, he's in Nineveh. And in chapter four, he's outside of Nineveh, and I like to think of him there as the pouting prophet. Yeah. Because here he is, he perches himself probably on a little rise or a hill, looking over Nineveh, waiting to God for God to come around and to, you know, judge the people. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Right. You know, and God has to confront him on that. And so chapter four is about Jonah's response to, you know, what God had done in the lives of the people, and he's mad. That's how the book starts out. I mean, that's how the chapter starts out. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. That God had relented from judging Nineveh right then and there. Yeah, yeah, that then that they had repented. The very thing that God wanted to do in their lives, they responded to it, they repented, and Jonah was angry. And he acknowledges that, you know, God is a compassionate God. He's slow to anger. He's full of mercy and grace. He uses the word chesed. Uh, we see that throughout the scriptures, which I illustrated uh, in the message. Uh, he acknowledges that, but his response is totally the opposite of that. And so that's my thesis statement is faith is more clearly expressed in the way we live than what we claim to believe. Mm. It's not just what we claim to believe, it's the way we live it out, you know, and, and uh, so that, that's hopefully what we got out of chapter four, the importance of. So chapter four is really the first time that we kind of know what Jonah's thinking. Like, we don't, we have to assume why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. We have to assume what he was thinking when the fish spit him out. But in chapter four, we actually see what's in his heart and his mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. God told him to go to Nineveh, and he went exactly in the opposite direction, headed 2,500 miles away uh, to Tarshish, which was near Spain. So he was going on a European vacation (laughs) to get away from what God had told him to do. Yeah. So as we consider Jonah chapter 4, and as you've prepared to teach it, 
what are some things that maybe didn't make it into the sermon? What are some things that uh, you would like to share if you had a little more time on Sunday? You know, uh, uh, when I teach, I do try to squeeze everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's why it gets a little long. I think, oh, I can't leave this out. I can't leave this out. Uh, but what didn't make it in, and one of the things that really touched me, and this this makes it more uh, real to me in the 21st century, is why did the Assyrians repent? I mean, we've made the point throughout the book of Jonah is how brutal the Assyrians were, things that they did to people. Uh, they were a feared people in the Middle East. Uh, you know, if you go to, you know, modern-day Nineveh today, you're going to go to Mosul. Right. <laughs> That's where it is today. Right. Uh, and they were a feared people. So why did they repent? One thing that, that we don't hear much about is just about 100 miles north of them, there was a tribe that was congregating and growing stronger. And the Assyrians were really in fear of these people. And so their hearts might have been trembling with fear over this. Now, 150 years later, they're going to be conquered by the Neo-Babylonian Empire, and they're going to be forced out of existence totally. But with this tribe that was less than 100 miles away, something could have been happening within them that God saw they were ready for his message. And so that's why he sent Jonah there in the first place. That this city was, which was like the the New York City of the time, that all these people who needed him would have the opportunity to repent and acknowledge him as their savior. You know, when I pray today for countries around the world, I, I use from uh, open doors. I, I use their uh, most persecuted countries around the world, where it's hardest to be a Christian. And one of the things I pray for those countries is that the Holy Spirit would move, that the leaders and the people would have dreams and visions where we can't have missionaries in those places, that they would have dreams and visions, that God would reach out to them, that God would know their situation, and the Holy Spirit would move their hearts. And it seems that this is what was happening with the Assyrians, and God sent Jonah. Now, to contemporize that, for that person or for that group of people, that I may feel led of the Holy Spirit to reach out to them, but then my mind says, oh, they'll never listen. They'll never listen. They're, they're not going to respond to that. Or that neighbor who moves in across the street, or that coworker who has a foul mouth, they're never going to listen. I've got to remember that if God puts that on my heart, they may be ready. Something may be happening in their life that I'm not aware of, and I, like Jonah, and that's one thing I've learned from this book, I'm a, although I don't like it, I'm a lot more like Jonah than I think I am. Yeah. That I may be like Jonah being sent to that person who he's been preparing their heart all along for that message he wants to give them. Man, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Mickey. You know, yeah. I was talking to a guy just this week. We're having lunch, and he shared with me, he said, man, in this Jonah series, I've, I, I immediately know who my Nineveh is. I know mm. who I don't want to show mercy to. I know who God's putting on my heart, and I'm saying no, anybody else. 
And uh, yeah, I think we all can relate to that. We got to remember God loves everybody. Yeah. Yeah. He loves everybody. I mean, Paul, when he was Saul, he was the Osama bin Laden of his day. That's right. He dragged women and children and men from their homes and persecuted them. And yet he's the one that God went after and on the road to Damascus turned him around. Yeah. And then this book, Jonah, ends with this odd moment where God says to Jonah, you're more concerned about this plant that you didn't plant that I gave you for shade. Now that it's gone, you're uncomfortable. You're more concerned about that than you are this city and all of its inhabitants. Yeah. And then the book just ends. It ends with a question that's never answered. Right. Jonah never answers the question, and we're left hanging there. The last definitive thing we have is, is God's statement and the cutworm. Right. The cutworm took the plant down. Right, that's right. I did have a guy tell me we always call it Jonah and the whale. We ought to call it Jonah and the worm because the worm's actually more significant. <laughs> well, for those who grew tomatoes in Arkansas, it's, it's a cutworm. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. The last thing you want to see. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a fantastic book with a lot more contemporary uh, uh, applications that we might think. Yeah, and even though our, our four weeks is wrapping up here at Fellowship, I would encourage people to continue to, to, to consider the book, reread the book, continue to think about the book. It has a lot to say to us. I think it's inexhaustible. Yeah, and I would encourage people to pick up a copy of Mark Yarbrough's book, Jonah. It's a great book, and, and he's done a fabulous job with it. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of Sermon Notes. Uh, again, thanks to Mickey for, for coming down to Fayetteville to teach us as well as to record this podcast. And next week, we'll be back, and we're going to begin our study of the book of Ruth. So as you wrap up Jonah, you can begin to read another small book, another four-chapter book that we're going to spend one month in with the book of Ruth. And we'll be back with that next time on Sermon Notes. Sermon Notes.